on. Man, I'm so, like every single Sunday, I just, Sunday is my favorite day of the week, to be honest. And if you didn't know this, I'm sure you all do. Sunday is also the first day of the week. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah Grandma Liz. <laughs> and what's, what's amazing about that is, is um, giving God your first. And you're here, you're here on a Sunday night. And um, there's so many other places, there's so many other spaces you could be at, but you chose to be here. Um, I know there's moms in the room, there's babies crying, and I love that. You guys can stay as long as you want in this room. We welcome families and babies. I know there's going to be so many babies in the future. It's just like everyone's young, and then we're all going to, we're married, there's marrieds, and it's just going to be amazing. So I honestly feel like it's, it's, it's so amazing because like Maddie, I know Maddie's here, and she brought her little one. Um, and respect the little one, right? Like, respect them. But uh, what I love about Maddie and Brendan is their, their posture just to always be committed. And they, they've given God so much of their life. And I just wanted to, like, publicly say this, that, that Maddie and Brendan, we honor you guys so much. Could we give it up for Maddie and Brendan? Like, man, they've opened up their house to us. Um, Maddie and Brendan have done so much. Maddie's kind of, like, orchestrated all the kids' stuff. And we just know there's going to be a boom in the kids' ministry because there's a lot of young people here that are, like, getting married and married. There's just going to be a bunch of babies everywhere. Yeah. And um, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. I love so, so we love the babies. It's okay if they're crying, all right? Um, but that being said, so we've been going on this journey these, these four weeks, and uh, this is the last of the next step. What's next for your walk and your life and your journey? And I believe, and we've been talking about this, we've been having this conversation that in Every season of life, no matter if you don't really understand God, you don't want anything to do with God, wherever you're at, I personally believe you're on a journey, a faith journey. And there's the, the emotional component, there's the physical component, there's the mental component, but there's also the, the spiritual perspective and component of who you are as a human being. And so the spiritual aspect is, whether you agree with it or not, you are on a spiritual journey. And so what we've talked about tonight, what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks are these next steps as you grow in your understanding of God and your perspective of God as you continue just to come here, just to check it out. We want you to know that there are steps you can take. And there's a, there's a way to which you can do it to, to continue to grow and continue to learn. And so what we've talked about, we've had this theme verse, and it's Proverbs 29, 18, and we've used the message translation, so it's not an actual, um, like, actual, like, book, like the NIV, the New Living uh, Translation, or the NLT, it's, it's a paraphrase, so the paraphrase says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble, can you say stumble, they stumble, we stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And so that's been our theme passage. It's, it's been something that we look at and we kind of premise and start what are this, this conversation of next steps. And I truly believe this in, in my honest opinion, that if you do not have a vision for your life, the scripture says, without a vision, my people perish. If you wake up in the morning, you do not know why you've woken up. You don't have a plan. You don't have a purpose. You don't know what's next. You don't have a dream or something that's pushing you and wooing you and calling you to tomorrow and to grow and to understand. Then there is a lot of brokenness that can happen in that space. And so the scripture says, if people can't see what God is doing, because by the way, God is always doing something. 
God is always up to something. God is always speaking. God is always moving. And oftentimes we can miss what God is doing in our life and through our life. For example, someone just told me just as like we started worship that I gave like a word of knowledge. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts in the next coming series. But a word of knowledge is just this. God giving a pastor, someone, it could be you or me, anyone can have this gift, and it's a prophetic gift. It's a declaration of the future that God sometimes will put into someone's heart, and it's a promise for the future. It's a, it's a proclamation for the future. It's a foreshadow of the future, and I didn't, this person said, you might not even have known this, but you gave a word of knowledge that I, someone in this room would get a job or something about a job, and then a couple of days later, they got the job, and like, I, I just sitting back is like, I'm like, man, we, that's just an example. You have no idea what God is doing. He's always up to something. He's always speaking. He's always moving. And so it's our job to understand that if we don't have a vision, we will stumble. If we don't have something that we're, under, that we're striving towards, that we're growing in, we will stumble. Living a life that was not intended for you. So we've gone on this journey of what's next. And we've started from the end to the beginning, and, and this is honestly, arguably, my favorite message to give. Like, all the time, if there's one message that I could only give for the rest of my life, it would be this message tonight, in different facets and forms, but nevertheless, it's, it's knowing God. That understanding of knowing God. So we talked about making a difference, that joy comes when you're doing what you're called to do. I'm doing something with my life that makes a difference, and then there's an understanding of discovering your purpose, and we talked about that. Finding freedom, which was last week, and understanding and realizing, and if you haven't heard that message from last week, I would really encourage you to go listen to it, because we talked about the crucifixion. We talked about the power that God has already given you. It is already in you to move, to speak, to grow. There is power because of what Jesus has already done on the cross, and that's finding freedom. If there's one thing in your life, you're just to be honest. There's one thing in your life that just, if that one thing wasn't there, man, I'd be stepping into my purpose, I'd be growing, I'd be flourishing, but it's that one thing, it might be an addiction or a habit, or something that's pulling you down, it's breaking you down, and if it's that one thing that I could just get over, then I could step into this next journey, and that is finding freedom, and I believe every person in this room has a next step of finding freedom in something, and then tonight, we get to talk about knowing God, understanding God, what is this it means to know God. What does it mean to understand God? And so we're going to get started. You guys ready? All right. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have realized this, but I naturally like love. There's two different types of, of sermon giving as a pastor or as in order if someone were to come up here and have this mic. There's two different perspectives. One is there's a teaching component where, like a teacher, you're sitting, maybe you're sitting in a classroom, there's a teacher, they're teaching something. So there's a lot of head knowledge going on. And then another facet of, pre, of preaching or giving the word is just that, preaching. And if I could be honest, I naturally fall into the category of preaching. Like, preaching is getting super excited. It's, it's, it's invoking and, and bringing out the best that's within you. It's reminding you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. For example, Billy Graham was a preacher. He would go and he would preach. There are other pastors in this city that could fall under the category of teachers. And so if I'm being honest, it is actually really hard to come up here and do this and actually try to do both. I believe they should be interconnected, but it is incredibly hard to do. 
So this, these last, I don't know if you noticed, these last couple messages, I've tried to stick with the teaching component because I realize we need to learn some stuff. It's imperative, it's important, it's crucial that we understand the essence of who God is. Because if it's just knowing or, or being really excited and you're like, man, I'm so passionate about Jesus, I can't wait to go to Coin Church, and then the week happens and you have no theological understanding of how to go through something and know that God is still for you. There's no, there has to be an understanding of the blood that he shed that gives you power. There's a, reali a realization and understanding that the Holy Spirit for those that proclaim Jesus is within you. And so we need to teach about that. We need to talk about that. We need to have a conversation about that. So tonight, I don't want it just to be a head knowledge, but there is some teaching that I want to practice, and, and, and there's a lot that I want to teach you tonight. So we're going to start here with the Greek, understanding that the New Testament was written in Greek, understanding the Old Testament was written in a language that is foreign now. It's ancient, Hebrew. But as we look at the Greek in the New Testament, there's something that Jesus mentions a couple of times through the scriptures. And it's this understanding of knowing God. Know, K-N-O-W. I want to explain that know in the Greek is gnosko. Could you say that with me? Gnosko. And gnosko is imperatively important. It's crucial. It's so important to know that it's not just, watch this, it's not just a head thing. I know of you, or I know you, or I went to school, and now I know about that subject. You see, know in the scripture, underneath the understanding of this Greek word, there are many different facets and form of this understanding. And it means to know, not just here, but here. To know intimately by experience. To know God is also to feel God. Now, if you know anything about Myers-Briggs or personality, I'm all about that stuff. There's understandings that some people are just more emotional than others, where you make decisions based off of your logic or based off your emotion. But here's the thing. I believe if you look at anthropology, I believe if you look at sociology, if you look at the human identity, the who we are as a person, as a people, that deep within us, is not just someone to know or think things, but it's someone to really feel who we are, to understand where we're going. We are not people as thinkers, we are people as lovers. And love is the driving force. In any decision that is big in your life, I promise you love is behind it. It's not knowledge, it's not beliefs, it's love. And so when we know intimately God, and if we were in the room and I was a junior high pastor or a high school pastor, I'd be kind of weird to say this, but I understand that we can, we can take this and really digest it and understand that's a hyperbole. It's an understanding of what God is trying to say and what this word truly means. This word also means a very intimate act. The scripture says that Adam and Eve knew each other and then they had Cain and Abel. Do you understand that, no, that understanding of no, it's deep, it's centric, it's woven underneath the soil of your heart. And I'm not saying it's a sexual act. That's beyond the point. I'm saying it is that big of a deal to know God. Not just knowing God on the surface, not just knowing God here, but knowing God here. 
to experience him, to step toward him, to seek after him. There is a space, there is a next step, there is a level to know God in such a way where you feel as though he's right next to you. And here's the thing, there's been moments of my life where I could almost feel God right next to me. But then the question is, well, where is God when I'm in the valley and I can't feel him? That's why we got to be really careful and understand the scriptures. It's not about emotions. But this particular passage of scripture, understanding, knowing God, I want to take us through that journey. Not just know him in the mind, but know him in the heart. Matthew 7, I'll prove it to you, says this. Now, when I was in Bible school, this passage scared me so much. I was terrified. You might be in this room, like, terrified by this passage. You don't even want to read it. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, it doesn't say some, it doesn't say a few, it says many will say to me on that day, the day of judgment, the end day, the day that everyone will have to have an account to stand before God. I don't know if you knew that, but every person will, and I don't know how it's going to go, I just know what the scripture says. Who knows what it's going to look like, if there's going to be a huge audience of millions of people, but nevertheless, God is going to stand before us and we will have to make an account of all the things that we've done in our life. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never gnoscoed you. <laughs> Away from me, your evildoers. Interesting, right? So there's that word, I never knew you. No, 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 you thought it was all about here. You thought it was all about the theology, it was all about the teaching, though that's important. Don't, don't mishear me. Please don't quote me and say, Sammy doesn't believe the scripture is that important. We just need to know God in our heart. That's not the case. But I'm telling you, for those that do stand on just the teaching and the understanding, you will be sadly discouraged to know when you look at the scriptures, the Pharisees fell under that category. Do you know that there are literally theologians that write commentaries and digest the scriptures and they don't believe that Jesus is Lord, yet they understand the knowledge of who he is and what he did in the scriptures and in history? Did you know that the demons believe in Jesus? Demons who are real and they freak me out. But at the end of the day, we're stronger because this Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we have power and dominion over such things. Why? Because we have the ultimate victor, Jesus. But nevertheless, demons know about Jesus. But they're not saved. So it's incredibly important to realize it's not just here. We can, we can miss the mark when we think, oh, I just need to know about God and I just need to know the scriptures. But if it's not here, we're missing it. God isn't looking, get this, God isn't looking for religion. He's looking for relationship. And I know we've heard that, but friend, I hope that doesn't just go over your head. God, the creator of the universe, the reason why the Pharisees couldn't fathom and understand what was happening is in the Old Testament, God seemed so far away. 
To us as humans, we believe that God is so far away that there's no way he could be close to us. In fact, it is the complete opposite. God is near to our hearts. We just aren't near to him. And so God wants us to be reminded that he did not come for religion. Religion, watch this. Religion is just saying, hey, I went to church, so now I get to go to heaven. (laughs) Hey, church is like the end-all, be-all. I was a part of coin, and I did my thing, or I walked that old lady across the the street, or I I gave to the needy, I I gave of my money. That's religion, because religion says, what do I have to do to earn God's approval and God's love? And the Pharisees, over and over and over, they missed the mark. Matthew 15 says this. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. I love this because (laughs) I'm not that big of a fan of traditions. I believe they're important. Kelly and I have conversations about it all the time. Traditions are important. They're great. But if, if we miss the mark in the tradition, then why are we doing it? And so the scripture says, why do your disciples take, break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Jesus said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people... Honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. I want to encourage some people in this room. Hey, here's the deal. God loves you no matter what you do for him. God cares about you. It's not all about the rule and the regulation. It's not all about what you can and cannot do. That is beside the point. That is immature thinking. Because when you are in love with someone, if you're married, if you're dating, you feel like you're in love with someone. You don't have to try to earn their love. I hope not. In fact, it's, it goes so far to understand that I, I love Kelly so much, I don't ever have to worry about affair. I don't have to think every day I wake up, oh my gosh, like, am I going to cheat on Kelly? Like, what do I, ah, I don't know. Like, ah. But if I love Kelly with every fiber of my being, that's not even a question. And it's the same in your relationship with Jesus. We think we have to do so much stuff to get to God, and that's the complete opposite. Pharisees meant well. Get this. We always like bag on the Pharisees. Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day. They knew knew the scripture well. But here's the thing. I believe they meant well. They wanted to do the right thing. They just didn't understand that it was a heart thing. You see, you got to do all these things to be loved by God. You got to wear a suit. Oh, here's the other thing. I, I don't, I don't want to like rock anyone's bow, but here's the thing. When you come to church, you don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to wear a tie. You don't have to have your hair combed a certain way. You, 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 when, when, you're, when you understand God, he does not care about those things. I can prove it to you with David. David, the one who became king, Jesse comes to look for the next king, and he's looking, and he's looking, and he's looking at what we all look at, what we all fall under in religion. We look at the appearance, and the appearance, and how they look, and how we walk, and how we talk. Though that's important, it's not the main thing. 
Jesse was looking for the wrong things, and God spoke to Jesse and said, Jesse, you don't understand. I don't look at what man looks at, the outside. I don't look at what women look at, the outside. I look at the heart. So do you gnosko God? <laughs> do you know God? Do you des- Here's the thing. Do you desire to know him at a deeper level? Do you desire that it wouldn't just be a knowledge thing, but it would be a heart thing? Another passage where Gnosko is mentioned, and it's an interesting one, so bear with me, okay? Here's the teach component. Jesus spoke in parables often to trick people, like to trip them up, because he wanted to actually speak to those that wanted to hear. So oftentimes he would speak in parables and hyperboles, metaphors and similes, because he didn't want to just say it plain out and simple. He wanted people to really think about what he said. And he says this. In Matthew 25, at that time, this is about the end times, by the way, so this is a very interesting passage, that when Jesus comes back, when God comes back, because I don't know if you know this, but he is. Jesus is coming back for his church, for his bride, for us. For those that might not know him, for those that might not know him right now, he still loves them, but in all actuality, he's coming back for the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is understood to be the church says this, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Do you get it thus far? Because it gets kind of very, really interesting. There are 10 virgins. And virgins here, the the reason Jesus brings this up is because virgins are depicted, virgin, pure, clean, right, righteous, right? Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. Oil is a very big understanding in this particular passage, so pay close attention to oil. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The church, people that knew of God, know of God, get so wrapped up in the day-to-day activity, though that's important, but we forget to know God, to gnosko God. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. I need like oil to keep going, please. Give me the oil, give me the oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. That's Jesus. He's depicted as the bridegroom. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came out. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. And there it is again. I don't know you. Gnosko. Now, to make this really simple, because, man, we can really digest this passage. To make it as simple as possible, the oil is borrowing relationship with God. The oil is the character of who you are. The oil is loving God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And sometimes we think we can buy God's love. We can get God's love by what we do. 
and it's understanding that it just needs to be who you are. That God wants all people to understand him, but there has to be a level of intimacy. Intimacy is imperative in understanding, knowing God, that he loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to discover your purpose. He wants you to make a difference. But all of that is incredibly hard to do if we do not know God, not just here, but here. So how do I know if I don't know God? Isn't that a question we might ask? And there's three points I put, a sense of powerlessness. You feel as though you have no power. You don't, you're just going, you're stumbling, you're tripping. You're, you're, an, an issue comes up and you're so terrified. You're worried, you're stressed out. And we just talked about it last week. You have power because of what Jesus did. And the power is in you. The power is within you. The power is the spirit that God gave us so that we could go and do everything he called us to do. But if we do not understand his power, then we become powerless. It's a dilemma of the soul because it's within us, but we're not using it. There's a sense of powerless, powerlessness. No God, no power. I wrote this down. I don't know if you want to write it down in your notes. No God, N-O. No God, no power, N-O, power. And then I wrote, just be, you know, because it's cool, no God, no power with a K, K-N-O. When you know God here and here and understand who he is, you understand his power. But if you don't know God at all, if you don't understand what he did for you, if you don't really care, then it's hard to find power in your victories, power in the valleys, power in the brokenness. Then frustration with trying to do good. Do you ever find yourself doing that? If I'm being honest, sometimes I fall in that trap, and it's a constant reminder. Man, it's not just about, and hear me, I'm not saying then be bad or follow whatever you want to do. I'm saying there's a frustration with trying to do good. You're so fixated on wanting to do good, trying to do good. The Bible is really hard if you're not in love. Because there's all different understandings that we must grow our character. But in order to grow our character, there's some things we got to do. There's some people we have to talk to. There are people in our life that we need to say, hey, I know you're my friend, but I can't always be hearing what you have to say because it's not showing God's understanding of power and victory. You're speaking words of death over me, not words of life. And the last is envying others who seem to be closer. Again, how do I know if I don't know God? Here, gnosko, do you envy others who know God? And I say that to, to, to say this. Philippians 3.10 says this. I want to know Christ, this is Paul speaking, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And that's that word again, gnosko. Paul's saying, I want to know at a deep level the intricate part of my soul. I want my heart to be connected to his heart because I understand that if Christ was resurrected from the dead, I can have that resurrection as well. C.S. Lewis put it this way. God doesn't want us to celebrate just the resurrection. He wants us to have a resurrection of our own. Does that make sense? I don't want you to miss that. Resurrection is the power that God gives us. 
And he literally was risen from the dead and you have that same power in you. How do I know? How do I know him? Here's the question for you. Worship team, you guys can come on up. There's three points that I, I wrote out for you. The first, it's simple. Love him because he first loved me. First John says, we love because he first loved us. Hey, it's pretty simple. The first step in this journey of your life, you can try every other facet of life. Go for it. Try it. But when you miss the essence of who God is, that he designed us in such a way to know him intimately, to understand him at a whole nother level, God put that in us. The second is to pursue him with all of my heart. Did you know this? I think this is really interesting. Okay, here's another side note for you, okay? God is depicted in the scriptures as a masculine figure, correct? God is he, the, him, the Holy Spirit, he, them, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's a depiction of masculinity. And what theologians, and, and honestly, I think this is really interesting to think through. This is like a whole nother level of understanding, okay? Yes, God is my Father, but God doesn't have a gender. He doesn't. In heaven, like gender is beyond God. Have you ever thought about that? I'm not talking about Jesus. We know Jesus is a man. <laughs> I'm talking about God, the creator of our soul, the creator of the universe. So oftentimes, catch this, if you have a good relationship with your mom, God still has the characteristics of a mother. Did you know that? I run to my mother and I'm not looking for, hey, you need to be okay. I need a hug sometimes. I need some encouragement. I need to, hey, I'm going to kiss your boo-boo and put, you know, the Band-Aid on your, your elbow. I need an encouragement. Hey, it's okay, son. You messed up. It's all right. I love you. I, I need a hug and a kiss sometimes. But then there also is the understanding for some of us, you might not have had a good relationship with your father. And a father could be a detrimental understanding of who God really is because we will equate our father, heavenly, with our earthly father. And if you have a bad relationship, then you start thinking that, oh, I need to earn God. I need to earn his love because that's how I had it with my earthly father. Or I need to think in a certain way. I need to talk a certain way. I need to walk a certain way. I can't dress a certain way. I can't. That's not what God the father as a heavenly father does for us. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm biased, okay? Here's my personal opinion. I believe women, girl, I, Kelly, I chased her in high school and outside of high school. I like chased after her. I did everything that I could to, to woo her. I did everything I could to let her know I cared about her, to let her know I wanted to have a future with her. And, and I made a lot of mistakes in high school, so I had a lot of making up to do. And I just remember all the time I would think about it. How, how do I get Kelly to know I really care about her? And for some reason, I truly believe that women love a chase. Would you agree with that? Maybe some of you don't. You're like, no, I don't care about that. But I do. I believe that women love it. I believe my wife, I'll just say my wife, I believe my wife loves that I still chase after her. And here's the thing. That is how God is. 
He wants you to seek him, to chase him, to run after him, to understand him at a gnosko level, intimate, experiential, understanding that it's not just here, it's in your heart. And the last, well, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me, seek, you will search after me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And the last is give me my, give him my life. You know there's sacrifice and there's, it's, it's difficult to be obedient and to commit to something. When you get married, I've done a couple of weddings now. And one of the things that's so interesting to me, when Kelly and I have premarital counseling with someone and a couple and we talk, and, and I have to remind them that it is a lifetime, that should be the goal. It is an, it's a commitment at a whole nother level. That when all hell breaks loose, when you don't like each other sometimes, when you get in fights, when it gets rough, and then you have kids, and then it gets hard, and then the finances, and this, ah, oh, it just gets so, it gets, it, it gets rocky at times. There's always a reminder that I am committed, though, and it has to be the same with God. You have to get yourself at a level to understand, yeah, this is going to take some sacrifice. I must commit to God. And I'll end with this. Luke 9 verse 24 says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus says, you will save it. And hey, I don't know who's in this room and who needs to hear this message. There might be one person in this room that just needs to be reminded. God is not some far distant understanding. God is near and dear to who you are, and I believe he's chasing you and desires for you to chase him. I believe with every fiber of my being that God created us to love, to desire, to have goals, to search, to understand that we're made for more than just waking up and being bored with life. God gave us excitement and creation and understanding and he put that in us. And there's also an understanding that he put something in us that cannot be filled. It's a void within our soul. It's a heart within our soul. And we have to understand that the only one that can fill that void is God. Not at a head level, at a heart level. So for whoever's in this room, and you just need to be reminded of that, it's not religion. We won't do religion here at this church. We do relationship with God. That's why we do coin cruise. That's why we wanna meet and have conversation. That's why we wanna encourage one another. That's why we wanna call another to more, because we believe that the intricate part of who we are, we are relational beings. But at the end of the day, you have to in my, in my prayer, you have to at least have the thought, I want to know God or I'm curious about God. I want to seek God. And he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find him. So let's pray. Jesus, we, we love you so much, God. And I just pray for every person in this room that might not have an understanding of who you are. God, there might be people in this room right now and their life was built on an ideology of, of tradition. 
an ideology of understanding that it's just a set of rules of do's and don'ts. But God, I pray that tonight you would remind people that it's about relationship, not religion, that you desire them, you desire to know them, you desire to hear their heart, to hear their dreams, to hear their cries. You know every fiber of their being. Your scripture says you know every hair that is on their head, God. May you remind us that it's not just about knowing you at a theological level or a logical level, but it's about understanding a revelation that can only come from you, Jesus. So God, do what you must in our hearts. Speak to us, Jesus. Call us to more. And may we seek you with all of our heart. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Let's sing this together.